What's happening, weirdos? This is Pete Holmes. You're listening to the You Made Weird Podcast Friday edition. We made it weird. <laughs> this is a new voice you're trying out. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I love this episode. Yeah, Thursday afternoon. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, we were, we had a lot of fun. Did yeah, you have fun? I did. <laughs> I hope you had fun. I did have fun. We actually answered some questions. Yep, we got to some more questions. And a Val poem, an early Val poem, which was lovely and funny. Silly, ridiculous. And it's so fun. What I love about this is we don't plan ahead of time. And we always, because we have a baby, we never get to talk. And I always have things that I'm like working out in my head. Yeah. We don't go to therapy anymore. We don't really have a spiritual... I go to therapy. You don't. Yeah, I don't. But uh, (laughs) a spiritual community on the regular. Yep. And this has become that place, and we're so glad you're here. Yeah. Thanks for being a part of the song, the satsang. (laughs) The apostrophe song. And it's brought... If you like this podcast, it's always going to be free. No paywall. No subscription. if you don't like it, you have to pay for it. Yeah, if you don't like it, please give us $32. (laughs) Uh, But if you want to show your support, there's no better way. We only have one Pete's Pick This Up, and it's Living Libations, which is hands down the easiest way to show your support because they have... So many products. Yep. Big things, little things. You want to just get yourself a little thing of gum serum. That's one of the things I like. It's called Neem Karoli Baba Gum Serum. And you put it on your gums. It's essential oils that keep your gums healthy. My gums were bleeding like crazy when I flossed. Little (laughs) for a couple weeks. Really got them strong and feeling wonderful. And with stuff that I'm totally fine not only putting on my gums, but ingesting, because it's oils and ingredients that I recognize. And that's the whole thing with Living Libations. They have hair care, they have skin care, dental care, as I just mentioned, baby care, uh, everything. Eyes, eye care. But the difference is... Butt care. <laughs> butt care, well, skin care. Your skin has butt. Your butt has skin. <laughs> It's made with ingredients that are natural, that you will recognize, and not a lot of ingredients. It's laughable if you look at a regular bottle of shampoo, conditioner, shaving cream, whatever it might be, moisturizer. I always thought if it was fancy and if it was expensive, it meant it was good. But that's not true. These corporations don't give a fuck about you. They're filled with chemicals linked to toxicity levels never intended for humans. It could lead to disease. Just nasty, gross stuff you don't want. I wouldn't eat it, so why am I putting it on my skin? Mm -hmm. Enter Living Libations. I love their ginger exfoliating scrub. It's got like 15 ingredients. I recognize them. I love them. And it's the most badass, powerful, effective exfoliant I've ever used. I use it before I shave. That's a pro tip right there. Makes the shave so much better. I've been using the peppermint exfoliating scrub lately. I mean, don't even get me started on the scent. Oh, it's so (laughs) rejuvenating. It's great in the shower. It's made plants, oils, and extracts that are real and natural, and it works. I also use their Zen Shave, which is a shaving balm that is so clean and natural and moisturizing, you can actually use the same stuff, use a dab of it as your aftershave. Try doing that with some anonymous neon blue goo shot up from a pressurized can, and at night, both Val and I use the best skin ever moisturizer. Smells great, feels great, gets your skin looking and feeling great right before bed. Whatever you need. They have something. They have a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare that they sell at 7-Eleven. And you can get something small. 
-hmm. Just help us out. Help us let uh, our sponsors know that these ads work and that we have an enthusiastic and supportive fan base. Just get a little something. Yeah. Just a couple bucks. They also make great gifts. And it's an incredible... You want to look like a classy-ass mofo? Get your uh, friend or lover or family member a gift basket or just a gift from Living Libations. Go to, But if you do, please support the show. Go to livinglibations.com and at checkout use promo code WEIRD. You get 20% off. Yep. It's a big chunk of the apple right there. Right. Livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD. WEIRD. All right, friends. Enjoy. We love this. I love this episode. This was so fun. And I hope you guys like it. We, we left the door open for the intro. You can hear birds and car alarms. But we closed it for the episode. Yeah. That's important that you know that. It's important to us that you know that. It's like Todd Glass's podcast where he's like, I know the intro is bad quality, but the episode is good. And he says it every, every time. time. All right. Get into it. Hear it? Car alarm. <laughs> shake it, shake it, shake, 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 shake it, ice coffee. <laughs> Shake it, shake it, shake, 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 shake it, ice coffee. Shake it, shake it, shake, 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 shake it, ice coffee. Shake it, shake it, shake, 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 shake it, ice coffee. What's happening, motherfuckers? How you doing today? Can you tell we don't ever plan what to say? We just hit record and see what happens. Usually it works out. Usually it works out. Usually it works out. Usually it works out. Hi, everybody. What's happening, motherfuckers? What's happening, motherfuckers? What's up, you motherfuckers? What's up, you motherfuckers? Look, a little bit of silly. You know, we ran into somebody the other day, yesterday, and they were like, clearly, like, oh man, this this whole quarantine, boy, it stinks. And they were like, how are you? But you know how people can ask, how are you? Yeah. But they're like, are you also? And I was in such a good mood that I was like, I love it. I love everything. I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> and I just want to say, even though I'm great right now, shout out to my homeboys and girls and non-binaries that aren't having a good day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because we are familiar with those as well. Yeah, I, I have a uh, 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 Val, Val's straightening my hair. Yeah. I like pregnancy. Maybe it's not great, but I, I can be a little bit like a dog. Mm, you have amnesia. You do. I'm yeah. trying to get more of that. Amnesia is great. We just talked Underrated about this. Underrated diagnosis. <laughs> you have amnesia. Fucking dope. Yeah. JK, shout out to my homies and homegirls <laughs> and non-binaries that have real amnesia. amnesia. That can't be good uh, or easy. I don't remember being racist. I have clanamnesia. Clamnesia. Clamnesia? Or I don't remember eating those shellfish. I have clamnesia. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, no, you are like, we had a couple days recently this week where both of us were feeling very anxious, but it was like biological. Oh, shit. Like, Thank you for reminding me. And it's back. Well, I... I laid down in the sauna and was like, I think I'm about to die. Yeah. Yeah. So like it had happened to me earlier the day. Could have been day. the heat. 
It could have been the super moon. I mean, I'm not so into that stuff, but like, Remember, it like, was super super moon. It was on the day of the super moon. I had had like a really anxious morning, and then was starting to feel better. And then you in the afternoon, you were like, "I'm like, I'm like ten out of ten anxious. Like I'm like about like kind of in a panic mode here." Yeah, because we were Bluey. Shout out to Bluey was on. <laughs> Lila was watching Bluey with you. And then you wanted me to watch an Instagram video. Look, we're we're overdoing it on the screens, okay? We just are. <laughs> we just are. <laughs> All right? That's just where we're at right now. And you showed that to me, and that was totally unacceptable to me. You were like, I can't. I'm overstimulated. And that's helpful. I'm glad that we're talking about it. No, that wasn't why you were anxious. No, no. I was made. anxious, and yeah. what evidenced it mm-hmm. was... Um, you showing me two things at once, even though you weren't showing me Bluey in that anxious state. Um, I was just so overwhelmed. Yeah. With everything. Yeah. And I tried to watch a movie and every image seemed so, I said this to you, significant. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was almost like paranoia yeah. where it's like everything you see and say and do and witness and participate in is like stored in our bodies. And why am I... I was watching uh, an action movie and I was like, why are you doing this to yourself? So I haven't watched uh, Mad Men in a very long time because I diagnosed, self-diagnosed a problem Mm -hmm. that I was always... It's called Always Watching Mad Men. (laughs) A-W-M-M. I had A-W-M-M and I said, you can't watch Mad Men anymore. Brain dead. My own brain dad was like, no more Mad Men, Peter. I was like, dad... But I knew he was right, so I went with it. And I was in the sauna, and I was going, like, everything matters. Everything is, like, so loud and penetrating. Everything. 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 There's nothing light. Yeah. And then I was like, just put on Mad Men. I'm giving you permission. Brain Dad came in and said, you can watch one Mad Men. So I picked an episode at random. And that was too fucking much. Mm. I was like, this is... Just as loaded as anything. You needed to watch Frasier or Friends. I suppose. But even... No, I I disagree. I hear what you're saying. That's a good recommendation. But that would have felt sickly, saccharine, fake. Yeah. Like the way that those... Like a play or a multicam can just feel... Unnatural. So fake. Yeah. I would have been like, this is so fake. And life isn't like that. Life isn't like... I say something, then you say something funny, and then I say something funny, and we all just sort of ignore it. Yeah. I'm like, and and problems, you know what I don't like, not that I don't like about Frasier, but what we're watching Frasier. What I acknowledge is fake about it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm sure I maybe had this revelation when I was 12, meaning it's not that deep, meaning it's simple. I'm sort of manic today. Mm-hmm. Um, the dad, there'll be an issue with the dad. He's grumpy. And then at the end of the episode, he'll say like, "Sorry, Frage. I think I think that altercation with my girlfriend bothered me more than I knew, and I might have taken it out a little bit on you." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That's not." I, I remember being a kid mm-hmm. and watching the Cosby Show or watching whatever I was watching and being like, "That doesn't. That's that's the part that doesn't happen." Yeah, the grumpiness or the fight or the weirdness might happen. 
But I'm still waiting just for my parents just sometimes to be like, light. you know what, Peter? I think I was a little focused on work, and when I lost my temper at the 99, the 99's a big restaurant in New England, mm. when I lost my temper eating the free crackers and cheese spread at the 99, that wasn't about that she forgot to bring me another basket of crackers. It was about life is overwhelming, and sometimes your old man gets scared. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be like, "Woohoo!" Like if that happened. Yeah. Well, if you are not receiving that, and you're watching a world where other people are receiving what you're ask, what you are longing for, it can right. sometimes be. Well, that's a big painful. thing with me when and- I watch Daniel Tiger, and they're like. You were scared. And then they hug him and go, you were scared. You were scared. You. Yeah. Now that I'm grown, instead of seeing that as like a nice comforting model, I'm like, fuck you, Daniel Tiger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my parents did a great job. This isn't anti my parents. They did absolutely as good as they could, which is great. That's yeah. all you can ask. But we didn't have a lot of that like. Yeah. What you and I do constantly, yeah. which is analyzing why we're feeling how we're feeling and talking about how we're feeling yes. is a learned behavior it came later. <laughs> yes. I think Leela's complaint potentially will be that we do that too much. For sure. Like there will can't be Can't I some... just feel radical? Or like can't I just like have fun and keep things light and simple? Which we even have that complaint about ourselves and we we try to steer it that way. I'll say like Amen, sister. But you're not of much use. You are of some use. Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 not you. I think the more you can analyze within reason your own personal experience, the more you have to share. That yeah. being said, there are some friends that I used to have. I don't have too many friends like this anymore. Mm. But I did used to have, I'd call them lovingly, like knucklehead friends in yeah. Boston. Uh-huh. And you hang out with them. And they just wanted to play Metal Gear and drink a Slurpee. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, if I looked at it now, I'd probably be like, well, look at the repression and there's tension here. Mm-hmm. But the denial was nice when the denial worked. But denial don't work no more. Yeah, there are some people, though. I want to say, like, Australians. <laughs> Hilarious. I don't know if that's true. But, like, it definitely... There, there are just, like, tight swaths of people that really do seem like there is just like a grit and a resilience where they kind of can keep things simple and it doesn't always rear its ugly head in a way that it would. I think it is genetic. I Mm -hmm. think there is something going on with my lineage. Uh Shout out to my Lithuanians. (laughs) We were, there was a lot of heaviness in my Baltic people. Mm -hmm. There was also a lot of lightness. But the lightness was often in service of like, I'm juggling these cats. Like, there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly what I, where I developed a sense of humor was from watching my funnier Lithuanians. But there could be like a, it, they, they weren't necessarily privileged enough to talk about, like we were talking to my mom. She was in Germany in a refugee camp. Yeah. Until she was seven. Right. Well. And like, I'm going around going like, I think the vaccine made me foggy or whatever. Like, yes. And she's like, 
yeah, I ate rations. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, I ate military rations and went to school in Germany. I know. Like, what? And was displaced at, like, seven is like, is like, it's exactly such when you can get the age. wound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I like this came up too. I made a joke like that too because we were watching The Crown. We it really sounds like all we do is watch TV. It's not. It's just that's all we want to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we could happily bore you with micro yeah, progressions I, of Leela's development, but yeah. tune in on Mondays for we made it boring for that. <laughs> um, but watching the crown, we were watching in, the the fog crown in the fog, episode. yeah, the fog episode where there was this great fog for five days. They were blanketed people- in like. Like Winston Churchill's smokehouse, <laughs> like yes. like it was like you were smoking a cigar all day, but like in a in, car. In a, yeah, you were stuck in a car with someone chain smoking cigars, and there was an oil burner yeah. in the car. <laughs> yeah, and it was all this coal smog, and so it was, and it was already winter, so it was like. You you need to burn coal to stay warm, but the coal is poisoning the air. And just in case people don't know the crown, this happened. This, this was this real. This was real. This happened, and they think that something like 12,000 people died in those five days because of this fog. It's like 9-11. 3,000 people died on the day. Yeah. And then, like, over time, okay. it was many thousands yeah. more because of respiratory issues, mm-hmm. which is such a tragedy. And that's, I think that's what we're looking at with the London Fog. Yeah. Which, by the way, serendipity, London Fog Fog is a brand of raincoat that madmen make the campaign for. Whoa. And they point out that the London Fog was the smog. It it wasn't fog. That was your Australian bent going like, it's a fog. They keep calling it the weather. It is the weather in the sense that there isn't a strong enough wind to blow away 10 million cubic air tons of smog yeah <laughs> i had cubic cubic air tons. i had cubic just not sound like an idiot Twelve thousand cubic, cubic air, air tons. tons of smog air tons. if you're ever in a pinch just say cubic um i <laughs> i also so the point of that was that like we were like shit we've been through so many hard things like and P- P- I mean it's so much worse like the pandemic is a year and there's economic issues and all of that but like if you think about the great depression and then there's just like this random fog that like I knew the phrase London fog I knew that it was a type of uh, tea and milk drink um, but like I never knew exactly the details of it and it was like man life was like we've just been through so much so we're going through a, a difficult period and it's nice to just remember that we have as a country and as a, a world and as a species we've been through so much uh but also i'm like god people people live such hard lives even currently and i often my complaint is like i just don't Feel how I want to feel. Right, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's like, well, my, oh, I'm so soft. My joke when we were watching it was like, and we were like, I have to get takeout? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, know, I know not everybody was just ordering tons of takeout, but like, they couldn't, in the fog, you couldn't do you really anything. Leave. It was dangerous to leave because you, you couldn't see any cars coming. It was also less ambiguous. I wonder if there were fog deniers that were going out and like jogging, and they're like, <laughs> it's fine. 
Yeah, it's sure. totally fine. It's the government wants us. They they did want them to wear masks. They're like they want us to wear masks, but they also have a, uh, one of the doctors says the masks don't do anything. I was oh, like, right. I wonder if anybody took that clip and and made a tick TikToker out of it. Well. So going back to the original point, which was anxiety, anxiety, but it's and also amnesia, ap- but also that the the stress. So I have some links in my genes to oh, right. Great Britain, yeah, and I have a lot of links to Lithuania and and the Irish potato famine <laughs> was a huge. David O'Doherty really schooled me on that. He's like, people use it as a joke, like where the potatoes. It was a horrible horrible starvation massacre that was caused by i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get this wrong i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get this wrong (laughs) i'm pretty sure caused by like tax laws from the british that they were being so they were totally fucked so it's like Mm. we we joke that's like one of those things that like i feel like is still sort of safe to be like oh i guess we can eat potatoes like the irish (laughs) Uh it's like yeah no that's tens of thousands of people dying yeah um what i'm saying is Forget your specific genetics to widen this to everybody. Eckhart Tolle is very good at reminding us that there's like collective pain, pain bodies. bodies. Yeah. And that just means a collection of memories of suffering that is past. We were just, we had a parenting class today and we were talking about how some kids just have more horrors to rid themselves of. Yeah. And, and it I'm, could be from birth or the womb or, you know, ancestral. Ancestral. So I'm saying ancestral. I'm not even getting full woo-woo and saying like past lives or mm-hmm. my joke that the baby's crying going, I was just here. This again? Like, yeah. like that's kind of a fun thought experiment. But it, I think it's just there's stuff just as it's written on your DNA to like try to stand up and walk or whatever. I'm sure a genealogist could school me on this. Mm-hmm. I think there's stuff in there that's like imprinted. That's like, it's not safe. There might be a fog at any moment. Yeah. Or like you see it in the generations that lived through the depression. And I think that attitude gets reinforced in your brain and then becomes part of your body. Yeah. It certainly becomes part of your posture. It becomes part of your face. Yeah. Like I, I'm sort of tripped out at how you can sort of look at someone's face and, and really get a, a decent sense of potentials. I'm not saying you can go, you look like an asshole, you're an asshole. But, like, it's weird how Harvey Weinstein was always my go-to yeah, for this. that's a great We example. find out that he's doing all of his horrible shit. And then you look at him and you're like, oh, how yeah. did, what did you think he was doing? Yeah. Swimming in milk? Like, he looks like a fucking gargoyle dropping, dropping. Not even a gargoyle. <laughs> something a gargoyle would shit. And you're like, it, it ends up in your body it ends up in your face in your face in your face and i think sometimes we're still this is pretty woo woo but we're processing the traumas of of our ancestors oh i don't even think that that's it's woo woo i i think that's that you know epigenetics is a word that i throw around that i don't fully understand but like I get the sense that we are, if we haven't already, we're getting really close to science proving that. (laughs) I mean, the cherry blossom thing with the rats, that there was, I'm going to get this wrong a little bit too, but you'll get the gist. There was like a thing about uh, every time a rat smelled cherry blossoms or ate it or something, they would give it a, a little electrocution, or maybe they only did it once. Oh yeah, and then, and then the grandchildren of that rat right. didn't like 
cherry blossoms. Well, it's like alcoholism is the same. Mm-hmm. DGP always used to frighten me. That's my therapist. That he's like, they would get rats hooked on alcohol. Yeah. Very pretty, you know, I'm guessing easy to do. Very addictive substance. And then they would have babies. And then they would not give those babies any alcohol. And then those baby, those babies would grow up. They'd have babies. Mm-hmm. And the babies of the babies, like the grandchildren of the alcoholics, the, the, the mice that were conditioned into an alcohol habit. Yeah. Which I don't know if we can call that alcoholism. Alcoholism, we, I don't know. I don't yeah. know the strict definition of that. But they were addicts of alcohol. Wow. And then the babies didn't have any alcohol. And then their babies were alcohol addicts. They gave them some and they just went off the charts wow. for alcohol. So I don't know why it is, but I don't know why it is a little bit less substantial to be like, okay, a chemical in your body that causes a reaction and causes a dependency can be passed on. Mm. But what is a thought? Fear? That's- I'll put a shot of fear up with a shot of whiskey any day. I've been reading this book. I'm loving it. It's called Existential Kink. It's pretty heavy work. It's pretty uh, It's pretty out there. I, I mean out there, I don't want to say advanced, but it's not like a good beginner's course, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's, it's interesting. You have to just be in the right state to appreciate, or the right, uh, like, whatever moment in your life. You need to be ready to do some deep diving into your shadow, is yeah. all I'm saying. And that's not great if you, for example, don't love yourself or if you're dealing with depression or whatever. So yeah. it's not like, go out and read this book. But if you're, like, cleaning up your house mm-hmm. and you're feeling pretty clean and clean running... It's a great book. Mm -hmm. But why didn't I mention this? Um, We were talking about alcohol addiction. Oh, she's that that book, just reading it is really getting me in touch with my body. To summarize the book in a a line, it's trying to learn how to identify with the part of you that likes when something's not going your way. mm. So it's almost like BDSM. Like Like the difference between being whipped by someone you pay to whip you and someone just randomly whipping you is like choice. There's mm-hmm. all, all, obviously a lot of differences there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, can you learn to choose to lean into the kink mm-hmm. that you like when Brody barks or you like when somebody uh, doesn't, when somebody's nagging me on email or whatever, mm-hmm. can you find the part of you that, that you like it? Anyway, as a result of doing this work, I've been so much more in my body because that's what she says. She's like, when when you tell someone you I love you, you get this flush to your cheeks and your heart escalates. So these are biological happenings yeah. from a thought, from an expression, of course. from a happening that's just emotional. Yeah. And similarly, I can see an alcohol addiction and everybody has no problem with that. But like when you really lean into like, Oh God, they don't like me. No one likes me. That, if you're in your body, you can almost feel it pouring down your throat like whiskey. You can almost feel it lighting up sensations in your body, causing a reaction. It's not drunkenness, Mm -hmm. but it's causing a funk or it's causing a spiral. We always say a spiral. So what's that? That's like a unceasing sequence of events that is no longer in your control you're spiraling yeah but it started with the whiskey the whiskey was the fear yeah so like if you have a bunch of mice i'm sure they have lots of mean questionable uh experiments 
with fear, mm-hmm. and then the grandchildren have the same fear responses, the same as the cherry blossoms. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like we we don't give emotions their due mm-hmm. in terms of practical hard science reality. I'm talking yeah. about on a pedestrian no, I'm with level. I, maybe yeah. science is like, no, we are, we do. Yeah. I'm saying most people are like, I could see, I've made my point. Yeah. And then some. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love all of that. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to lighten it up just one <laughs> second. I'm just going to, you're right. It was a lot. It was a lot. Just give me one second. Um, you know what's happening. <laughs> Okay. Here it is. Somebody <laughs> Oh my god. Cuban kind of finger thumb. I feel like we all got to a point where we were doing that. Maybe just you and I. But I remember hearing, obviously, everybody in the world heard the song so many times. We all did. That I remember... I actually went through a phase where I really, I would always get the soundtracks to movies that I liked. Shrek. And it was on Shrek. And I, I used to do that. I swear I can remember listening to it being like, looking, dumb, finger, thumb. Well, that song is like a spider web. I don't even mean that in a, a bad way, but it's like, it's sticky and it, it, it Ugh. insists it's, participation. It does. It's like, you will be singing along. <laughs> you will get this in your head. You're not the sharpest tool in the shed. Hey. God, we love... You know... I uh, mean, we we all loved that song at some point. And I, then we all hated that song at some point, And then we came back around to kind of appreciate it. It's the Dave it. Matthews theory. I still... I almost put... Davy on Davy. Davy. And then I forgot Iris was coming this morning and she would have caught me listening to <laughs> Dave Matthews and I would have been embarrassed. But why? Who cares? I remember hearing this song from Smashy mm. and being like, wait, why isn't this great? Because it sounds sort of like maybe a Stevie Wonder. Like it's got that organ. This song. Let me hear. Like I was like, this is good. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, if you were like, this is a song from the 60s, you'd be like, it sounds like um, yeah. Spirit in the Sky. Uh-huh. Everybody loves Spirit in the it's Sky. Totally. And even this. Oh, vocal lead-in. I think this is, this is, people like it. If this was, if this was a Beatles, if this was a Beatles song, yeah. would still be grooving to it. Uh-huh. And we are, I'm grooving to it right now. <laughs> And See, they also did I'm a Believer, which I like. Well, they... <laughs> Do they, I like Smash Mouth? That's a cover. That's a oh, monkey okay. song. Oh, okay. But yes. But I, I'm going to talk a little bit about this. The first <laughs> verse, it ain't no joke, come on. It's like its own sort of... If you're picturing a game of Pong, but it's just the ball is just bouncing between two walls. Yeah. It has its own like, it ain't no joke, come on. And then the second verse... I, I don't know if you'd even call it, maybe it's a pre-course, but it changes. I'm not going to make you listen to it. I'm doing what, what dads do. This is a dad thing, and my dad specifically. I know, and I hate myself. No, I think it's... I, I'm just saying it's creative. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's great. Okay, what do you want to play? We're always playing my dumb shit. What's on the, the summer hits of the 90s? I want to listen to that playlist. U.S. summer hits of the 90s? Yeah. Uh, maybe a little uh, something called... 
See, this is another great example. Someone had to tell me Will Smith wasn't cool. I I don't know. I must just be in a really good mood because I'm all of this is sounding so good to me. Well, okay. So the music is a sample. It's a I forget what song it is, but every once in a while it'll come on like my Pandora disco channel or something mm. when I'm in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not taking that away from uh, S- Mr. Smith. <laughs> I tried to think of uh, the German word, but I could only think of Fraulein. Fraulein. Fraulein Smith. But that's lady. Yeah, I think Frau, though. Frau Smith. That doesn't sound as fun. Fraulein's fun. Uh, I don't know. As a Christian, Will Smith was great because he didn't Mm -hmm. swear, and that meant you could play him loud and proud. And what is this song? He's just like, isn't it fun to go to Florida? (laughs) Like, even your mom can be like, yeah, it is fun to go to Florida. Especially your mom, I would think. And that's right. That's Four moms. That's really funny. It is a mom group. <laughs> and, he, and and you can hear her saying, he just seems like such a nice man. Oh, my you know mom di- has said that about Will Smith so many times. He just seems so sweet. He just seems like a real cutie. <laughs> Joe Mandy and Noah Garfinkel used to have a joke where they say, Blom Blanks, Black Tom Hanks. Oh, my God. God, Blomblank. Because everybody agrees on Will Smith, everybody agrees on Tom Hanks. Yep. Um, um, wait. Wait. There was something before all this mess. I was going to say existential kink is is like, but you also like like Eminem or I'm trying to think of other like fucked up. Yeah. Like people that get really dark. Yeah. Um, that's That's like shadow work. That's being like, but I also like the song where he talks about. Not giving a fuck, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever it might be. Yep, I um, I don't know why I'm like one. I want to. It's bothering me that this thread is lingering because usually, especially in the beginning of these episodes, threads get you're, lost. You're going so fast that you're just like pulling threads down, and then <laughs> you run away. Oh my god. <laughs> I love a good thread burn. You, you know do, what it is? It's like a ceremonious, off. it's a practical way of going like, look, yes. nothing lasts. Like throw it in the fire. But it, it is satisfying when they come back. It is something that you, I, I'm noticing this now. We've done this podcast so many times that like you can sometimes do this the whole episode, but you really do it in the first 30 minutes. Oh yeah, I it cool is, out. It is like... There's something in you that's like, look, we can talk about this, we can talk about this, we can talk about anything. It's and infinite potential. Like, yeah. This episode could be anything. I know. This epi- and we could talk about, we could play Will Smith. <laughs> or the second song on the list. Remember this one? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You remember that. Oh, of course. Man, we're listening to this on the way to the beach today. <laughs> this is sort of a serendipity because the third song, this is Return of the Mac. The third song is Jumpin' Jumpin' by Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. And I just watched that Punky Brewster doc on Hulu or something. It was okay. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel like the person who the documentary is about had a little too much control. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it keeps coming back to them and they sort of have like the perfect thing to say. And I'm like, well, this is good, but I'd love to hear from the other people <laughs> that were there. You know, yeah. It's the same problem I have with Curb. Which I finally put my finger on watching it because JB Smoove did the podcast. So we were watching a bunch of Curb. Mm-hmm. That'll be out soon. Um, 
And I was like, what I don't like about it is what Kumail didn't like about the movie Signs. What Kumail, I saw Signs with Kumail and Emily back in the day in a theater. And uh, I loved it because, of course, I would love a movie that's like everything's connected and everything has a meaning. And Kumail hated it uh, specifically because... He was in his own world. He proved that God exists. Mm. But it was so M. Night Shyamalan infused, like an Uh infused vodka. But it tasted too much like M. Night Shyamalan. So he was like, in this world, this happens. But because their water cups are left out, they win. And that proves that everything happens for a reason. Because his wife died. And her last words were really the key to defeating the aliens, right? Mm -hmm. But Kumail's like, but it's all bullshit. It's like me saying making up a story and at the end of the story being like and it all worked out so god's real in this world but it doesn't necessarily carry over yeah similarly when i watch curb i'm like this is a first of all i love it i'm I'm really jealous of how funny it is mm-hmm. and how quickly it gets to the laughs mm-hmm. I, I i don't struggle but it doesn't come naturally to me to just be like fuck everything else just get to the funny part mm-hmm. just get to pretty, 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 or get to the part where <laughs> Larry asks his wife just as she takes him back to call the Mater D and say that whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's always stepping in it, and that's really fun. The thing that I don't love about it is that it's so him. Yeah, it's just one guy creating his world and then dictating what everybody should say to him, so he can sort of like win or look stupid but lose on his terms. Yeah. Not every show has the the auteur totally penetrating the project where you're like, this is just Just him setting up a situation where he can be right in his way or wrong in the way that he wants to be wrong for laughs or whatever. Yeah. So it's not as simple as like he's always right. But everything is is set up for him. Yes. Everything is, is in the service of his... Uh, perspective. Right. So it sort of starts to feel like madness to me. Yeah. In that, in that, like, yeah, because it's Larry Larry David, you know, in normal life, if he were that confrontational, I know it's an exaggeration. Um, In normal life, there'd be so many people that would be like, I'm not engaging in this with you. We're not going to have an argument about this right, right. now. Like, and, he, and instead, everybody is so confrontational right. Right. so that he can argue. Right. Maybe he made a world where people are as confrontational as he wishes they were so that he could always be arguing. Well, I people. guess that's the genius of the show. And again, I like the show, mm-hmm. but it just sort of, it's like I'm dreaming his dream yes that's what that's, it feels that's like, the yeah. best way i can put it it's yeah. like i fell asleep in his body and i'm having his dream so mm-hmm. i understand that the stakes are not always in his favor the story's not always in his favor but the world is certainly like one tone and it's and it's him yeah and that's sort of i guess what people love about it mm-hmm. but it would be it would probably ruin the show but it would be fun to have a character if he was like when you give someone a toothpick you don't hold it you 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 gesture to it. Yeah. You gesture to a toothpick. You hold a toothbrush. Pick, gesture, brush, hold. Right? <laughs> because the pick goes in the mouth. I don't want your fingers in my mouth. Gesture to the pick. Nobody gestures to the pick. I don't gesture to the pick. You want a toothpick? I hand you the toothpick. Oh, no, Larry, Larry, listen. If you have a toothpick in my neighborhood, somebody's going to slap you in the face. If you see a toothpick, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Somebody sees a toothpick. That's a sign of aggression. That's a sign of aggression? That's a sign of aggression. You know what I mean? So, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he has he point. has a rapper at a, at a party run lyrics by him, and I'm so stupid. I'm like, that would never happen. But you just see the improviser sort of struggling to justify it. He's like, well, you're a writer. Uh, help me write. And I'm like, okay. But but then this is where I'm wrong. This is how I'm full of shit. Curb is a thousand times funnier than Crashing on its best episode because it just didn't care. It got out of its own way. Yeah. So that I bow in reverence or I tip my hat to that, that he's like, who cares? It's yeah. so funny that a guy is helping a rapper with lyrics and he gets to say, say bitch instead of motherfucker. And we're all laughing. Well, you were trying to do a, a I was going different thing. Yeah. If you're just trying to make a pure comedy and the number one and kind of only goal is to just make something funny, then you do have more freedom as right. far as like narrative and story go. I guess with Seinfeld, because there was Jerry and Larry... It felt more balanced. Similarly yeah. to the Office special that Ricky Gervais did without Stephen Merchant, it didn't have the balance of Stephen Merchant, so mm. it just ended up being more of Ricky's dream. Yeah. This is the David Brent special. I really liked it, mm. but I was like, it's missing that balance. And Seinfeld is also sort of insanity. Mm. It's like, at the beginning, they're going to do the thing, and that's going to come back at the end. Every part is used, but there's, there's more... Uh, I don't variation. know if you call it variation. Yeah. It's not nuance. It's variation. So I like a duo. Give me a duo. <laughs> That's it's, scary. It's, it's, you know, Noel Gallagher did this uh, podcast and he was great. And I love his solo record. But there is a magic to when two mm-hmm. are together. Mm-hmm. And he, he even said... I think said, he would say that. When two siblings specifically, yeah. the Avits, uh, I'm out of the examples. Bee the Bee Gees. <laughs> sure. Why do we see like these families that sort of have to stay together producing art that friends that would have long turned their back on each other, they push through and end up creating staying alive. Yeah. All right, enough threads out of you. Let's... um... Oh, I didn't finish this thread. (laughs) Okay. How many songs are about jumping? So that Punky Brewster one, she was like dating the guy who wrote um, House of Pain. It's it's not... Criss Cross had Jump Jump. Uh House of Pain had... Jump around. Jump, jump, jump around. <laughs> no, no, no. Crisscross is jump, jump. Oh. Everybody go, uh, jump, jump around. around is jump around. Oh. Jump around. That's so similar. Jump around. You could m- mount, jump, bump, a jump, and get down, right? Uh, that was very lame. That I If Leela was a teenager, <laughs> she should be rolling her eyes at that for sure. <laughs> and then Destiny's Child has jumpin', jumpin'. All I'm saying is in the 90s, we couldn't get enough of, of jumping. Yeah, we were Van Halen said jump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, okay. So let's answer some questions because there's there were some good ones from last week that we didn't get to. We'll read the question over Backstreet Boys. Backstreet's back. Okay. It's actually called everybody, but... The okay. parenthetical is back. She's back. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Will Cousin, Cousin Larry. <laughs> no, His name just, is Coulson? No, it's just Will Cousin. Okay. Will Dash Cousin uh, asks, what's one way you've changed each other for the better since you met? Well, you were just talking about that Enneagram 3-9 thing. You bring so much novelty and life 
and change into a life that if I was left to my own devices, I would just be doing nothing? <laughs> well... That sounds like passive aggressive. Like today I was just going to read in the hammock and I would have loved to do that. And I did do that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I signed us up for a parenting course. So I do the parenting course. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And then you're like, and then we're going to go to the beach. And I'm like, I would never go to the beach except alone at night to walk That's what you used to do. and think. <laughs> and you're like, no, let's go during the day. And I'm like, it's hot. There's going to be other people there. We have to park. And you are just like, you are feminine. You are a flower. You are life and newness. And you bear fruit. And, and like, I can be like in my own if I get in my own rut, it can get kind of Dickensian mm. and I'm like a factory and I'm a bottom line. And I'm like, it, like you're, it's usually your idea to go on a vacation. And then I enjoy the vacation way more. This is not yeah. this tale as old as time, this. beauty and the beast. Like I don't like going on, like I drag my feet. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. I'm going to love going to the beach with you today. It's going to be <laughs> fucking amazing. Would I do it if you didn't say it? No, I don't mean a little chance. I mean, no chance. Zero chance would yeah. I go to the beach. Zero. I would never, I'd probably never go to another beach unless it was like connected to the hotel that I was in. And then I'd be one of those sad, lonely weirdos that would like go out and not even get my feet in the water, but I'd stand on it just so I could tell my friends, yeah, I went to the beach. And then I'd go back to my room and watch a movie I could have watched at home. You're like, because I'm always same restaurants, even the vacations. We'll go someplace. I was like, well, that was great. Let's go back. Yeah. And you're always going like, what's new? Let's go here. Let's try this. Let's talk. Let's meet these people. And that sounds like a Seinfeld routine where the attitude would be like, mm. and I don't want to do a parenting class. Yeah. And you know what the big secret is? I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go to the beach. Like, that's funny. Yeah. But I'm actually saying I love going to the beach. And I wouldn't do it without you. Yeah. And I'm glad I go to the beach. And that's a huge change that you brought to my life. Thank you. I like that. What if I just don't answer? Burn. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, <laughs> well, what's interesting, you mentioned, so I saw like an Enneagram thing that was like compatibility. And I'm a nine and you're a three. And it's a very common pairing. And it said that... It said threes bring excitement to the relationship and nines bring safety. And I was like, isn't that interesting? I feel like that is true and it's the opposite is also true. So there's so in the, you just gave an example of how I bring excitement and you bring safety and the, but the truth is is if I lived without you and when I lived without you, I lived like it was a, it was a very fun and beautiful life. I loved it. But like if if I wasn't married to you or didn't know you, I would be living like a much smaller life where there was just like a lot less happening. <laughs> right. And I hear you. So you bring This is okay, yes. I'm hearing you. Yeah. It's really funny that the way you get me and assholes like me to the beach is 
tell me I won an award <sighs> and have the ceremony at the beach, which is what the Oscars is. Wow. Like, they would never all get together and hang out. Yeah. Especially once all their needs are met. Yeah. They're already famous and they have beautiful partners and they have millions and millions of dollars. So they're going to be in some castle mm. in Scotland that they bought that used to belong to someone who ruled a nation. Yeah. And now they're in up in the air. <laughs> Why Clooney? <laughs> we love Clooney. Um, that is sort of the sickening side of what I do. Yeah. It is fun. We do go to like, we back in our old life, we would maybe go to a fun party mm -hmm. or some ceremony or some premiere. These things are really fun. Yeah. But isn't it sad that those are the things like it appeals to not my highest angels. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I'm starting to face is like, there's certain things I'm doing currently that I catch myself going like, why am I doing this? It, it barely pays anything. Yeah. And then I'm like, what are you Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> Like is that what you're is that what you're saying to yourself right now? <laughs> and like what if let's just pretend it did pay a lot of money. Is that what you need to do? Yeah. That's the award that gets you to the beach. Yeah. But you're so even my friendships used to be so utilitarian. Mm -hmm. Not in a bad way, but like we really a lot of comedians who are friends, they are like these allies. They're like their alliances that you make and you do go to each other's birthday parties and you do, there is some true friendship there, but like you're the, like one of the few people that I have in my life that was like, I just have, I'm just friends with this person. And I'm like, but that person's not very smart and their ideas are kind of stupid. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she, she's cool to hang with. Cause I'm like, I just want someone to like sharpen my, instrument that I might plunder more. This sounds so gender normative, but it just happens to be yeah. what we're dealing with. We're rarely, I mean, we rarely, you're rarely masculine, so it's fine. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> As I play that, uh, uh, I hear that, but it's sad. Like what, well, if I'm on mushrooms, I'd be like, whoa, Val is the truth. And I'm, I'm also the truth. Don't get me wrong. I've just gotten a little bit lost in the game. Yeah. And that's okay. You're, listen to how aware of it you are. I don't think somebody who's lost in the game... Well, that's that's a new thing. This is yeah. like Pete with Val and Lee in this new chapter of my life. Yeah. And this is hammock book life. Yeah. I remember Zach Galifianakis saying to me, we're, this is 10 years ago, mm. we're in the back green room of UCB... And he had his house in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would you live in North Carolina? Like, I really just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, you, but you, you could live in New York if you wanted to. You could live in L.A. if you wanted to. Why do you live in North Carolina? And he, I was like, it's about shows. It's about juice. It's about this and that. And he was like, yeah, but sometimes it's about sitting under an apple tree and reading a book. <laughs> and like... I sort of heard him, mm -hmm. but I was not, I didn't have the enzymes to metabolize what he was saying yeah. until my 40s or my late 30s. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like you got really down on yourself. And so I'm going to tell you why, what, how you've made me better, which is, does go back to kind of the excitement, but definitely, you know, 
nines go to three in health. And I've really seen and am living that. Like, you are... Three is the achiever, for those of you that forgot. Yeah. Nines are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. So nines can get really stuck. Like, and I have lived that as well. Like, if we can just lose all momentum and get into, like, a very self-doubty kind of fearful space where it's just the opposite of, like, creating and manifesting and and ambition and all of these these things and i'm a very feminine nine so i already am lacking a lot of masculine energy that is that sort of like just know what you want and go and take it you deserve it (laughs) and be happy because you got what you deserved like that concept is so foreign in my body and reality and it's something that initially attracted me to you and that I continue to find so attractive is that you have so much self-love and believe in your capabilities. Not that you don't have like insecure moments, but rarely. Hmm. (laughs) Um, And you just like, just the fact that you have, I remember being so amazed that you had an opinion about everything and that you knew what that opinion was immediately. Mm. (laughs) And even when we were editing the show, um, I was so impressed with that. Like I would, I would try to practice being like, which take do I like more? And you would just know exactly what it was. And, and it was just like a, that was a really condensed example of that. Mm -hmm. But, um, so just knowing what you want and knowing what you think, knowing your own mind, and then having the um, self-love and just the, like, confidence to be like, okay, and now I'll just make that happen. Um, it's, it's so helpful for me to see you do it over and over and over again. And it really has made me, like, kind of lean more in that direction and trust my own voice and, and thoughts about things. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I've been thinking about when it comes to raising Leela, because my instinct is to just give her everything. Like, I'll be like, you you don't have to get a... Like, I was thinking about, like, what if she wanted a camera? Mm-hmm. Like, she wanted to try photography. Like, it seems, and this is probably what we would do, it's like, well, you can work and save up, because I know it'll mean more mm-hmm. that she does that. But I have this instinct to be like... No, I'll just buy you a camera. But I know if I do, mm-hmm. it'll mean nothing. Mm-hmm. There'll be no value to it. I don't mean monetary. There'll be no value. Yeah. And then it'll be so easy to go like, or maybe I want to try close-up magic, and it's, which would make me so happy. But, uh, <laughs> which I'd love that. But um, I know that like this game is bullshit. Mm. And especially when parents who have uh, enough money to buy them a camera pretend that they don't to make her do chores or save up or babysit or this or that until she makes the money. But like, there's like necessary bullshit because you're teaching them how the world works. And I don't mean Western civilization. I mean the world. I mean the cosmos. Yeah. I mean the Bible stories of people who had to work seven years to get permission to go on a date back then they'd be like you can have my daughter as your wife but yeah i'm trying to soften that you know what i'm saying that i believe that's joseph had to work seven years and then they gave him the wrong woman and then he had to work another seven years and then he got her sister things things were different um 
But that's that's not just a pattern of how America works or how the 21st century works. It's how the world works. Mm. Time and like the reason I developed talent was because I had to. Like yeah. if you had just been like, don't worry, you mm-hmm. can have everything you want already or what you think you want already, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So what you're think what what I have now is like minor league. It feels like minor league confidence meaning or manifesting meaning like i'm gonna do this i feel pretty confident that i can do it it's not that scary Mm -hmm. if i were to pay myself a compliment (laughs) (laughs) or what really helps me get in touch with what you're saying is the pete that moved to new york and just started going this is kind of before there was a good open mic you know blog or whatever you just i would take the train to flatbush and just look for an open mic that who knows if it was still happening, if the place was still open and walking into weird restaurants that didn't have stages and being like, is the open mic tonight? And then in this specific story, they were like, that doesn't happen anymore and being so relieved. Yeah. But I I don't miss. But I'm so glad that when I was young and had the energy, I did all of these really scary things. Yeah. Because to this day, it imbued all of this value into okay, now I could just write a script or do some stand-up at my convenience or whatever it is, but it was because of all of this. That was my babysitting. That was all the scary debt paying. Yes, and then you learn that the world is not as scary as you thought it was. Well, it's like when you're scared, we usually go for a walk, or if mm-hmm. I'm feeling anxious, we'll go on a walk, and you remember yeah. that like there's something... A message is received when you just kind of go on a walk yeah. and you're okay. You see your surroundings Something and everybody's bigger. okay. Yeah. Something bigger than you is okay. And and yeah. you're not making the world spin and you're not mm-hmm. bringing up the sun. You know, so like you see that you're a part of something that is bigger than your anxiety or your issue as illustrated by a walk. Yeah. Um, but going to those shows, mm-hmm. which is every everybody, I, I would be scared to do that. Oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. Even with all my material, I'd still be like, I don't know what I'm going to... I'm following a banjo player and a poet, Mm -hmm. and nobody's there. It it would be a nightmare. Yeah. But that we... And this is what comedians have in common, and this is why we make such good friends, is because we all did some version of that. And uh, conversely, it's also why we don't like YouTubers. I'm not saying that I don't like YouTubers. I'm saying collectively, comedians tend to not like YouTubers, Mm -hmm. because we're like... There's ex- exceptions to that. But you're like, you did it from your bedroom? Like, fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Like, we're yeah, like... You found a hack that... I under- Yes, and I understand that you did. Or you became Twitter famous. I'm like, that just seems too safe. Mm-hmm. Not because it's not real, but we know, and this is a little bit like what Keith Raniere said, so it's disturbing, mm-hmm. but the more suffering that is... Uh, uh, survived. Mm-hmm. So I was growing in my relationship with comedy. So I wasn't alone. It was me and the idea of comedy mm-hmm. were bound together through suffering. Yeah. So in The Vow and Keith Raniere, who's a bad person and did a bad thing, they were pointing out that is one of the ways that the universe works. Mm-hmm. This is really helpful for me because that's why I shouldn't buy Leela a camera in this hypothetical 10-year-old so eight years from now situation. Yeah. The reason you have her work is because that's what gives value. 
It's really yeah. helpful to me to just talk about this with you. Absolutely. It's not to be like, the because I have a part of me that goes, it's because the world sucks. You're going to work and you're going to get paid too little and everything fucking sucks. So get sucking now. <laughs> it's not that. No. You go, the world could be wiped back to the Stone Age and we'd just be walking around looking for fruit. It would still matter. Yeah. Like that token that you found, that spearhead that you made yes. would matter because you chiseled it yourself. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the work is. Yeah. How often do we talk about, and this came up actually with our, our friend Brent who works at our local coffee shop. Cause Shout his, out to Brent. His daughter just got a job. and like, Well, that I, was the serendipity because I was thinking about that before oh, he said wow. that. So I didn't even share that with you. I was like, this is a wink from the universe that we he have just... We been having so many serendipities. Super serendips. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that, like we... Oh, Waffles is back. <laughs> Val has a hair on her on her uh, left arm that grows very long, and we call it Waffles. Uh, and that's I did steal that from my friend Amy, who um, named one of her long hairs Waffles. Anyway, I just have to give that credit. Hilarious. Um, so anyway, I I think that like we both will talk so fondly about our first jobs and like that first. You mean you and me? Yeah. And that I first that. little bit of like independence and that first sensation of like looking at a paycheck that you earned and yeah. buying something that you wanted from your money, it just, it does mean so much more. So it's not about like, and that being said, I all, having said that, I also <laughs> do, um, I do kind of wish that I had been, there's something satisfying about the like, I associate it with kind of like a Quaker or like a, um, you know, shaker, shaker. Uh, I don't know. I associate it with, with actually the movie little women kind of too, where it's like this beautiful kind of Thomas Merton, like there's value in hard work and work ethic is a good thing isn't thomas merton kind of into that is or am i getting that wrong i would believe so yeah um nothing comes to mind i but there's like a hard-nosed yeah like, do just it. a little bit of like a grit but i yeah i can't wait to jump in just so you know <laughs> i i can feel that i i <laughs> i just i didn't have that and my mom often will still make jokes about how like we were loved so much, my brother and I, that like we just didn't know how to be adults because we everything was done for us, which is kind of true. I know people now that that's way more true for. Yeah, me. Yeah, you definitely. I look at that. And I'm like, what? Yeah, we had jobs. We could. We like. We had to pay for our own cars, and we had to get jobs yeah. when we wanted to drive, and all of that. But. um but we didn't like really have household hold chores and stuff. Anyway, I do feel like, and maybe this is a nine thing. A lot of times I can, there is like this part of me that I'm really ashamed and embarrassed by that can be kind of whiny when something is hard. I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is hard. And like, I, so I wish that maybe that was maybe more instilled is like, there's something good and honest and like Hemingway about hard yeah. work. <laughs> but okay, what you're saying is what I'm trying to fix. Because the, the mythology here is work sucks, but life sucks. So just fucking do it. Yeah, it's not that though. I know what you're but saying. But that's, what, that's what's behind like 
but do it and and just put your nose to the grindstone. Maybe. My dad used to say, if you're cold, work harder. And and that's all good. That's sort of like the backbone of America. Yeah. I'm try- and it's all good. Everything you're saying is all good. But yeah. what I'm trying to zoom it out a little bit and just saying money is complicating it. Jobs and money is complicating it. It's energy. Yeah. It's it's like say like Leela could learn these lessons potentially uh, through gardening, yeah. being like you have to plant it, you water it, you check on it, you weed it, and then that watermelon will taste better than the one at the store. Yeah. But that all got mixed up in this like. You have to be a capitalist. You right. have to work and make money and buy stuff you don't want. But if you could like simplify it or don't need, simplify it and just be like relationships. Mm-hmm. This is a bit, I've been watching so many Terrence McKenna videos. He's like, the great revelation of our time is that life mirrors itself as it expands or contracts in scale. So he's like, the way that corporations fold is the same way black holes fold. It's like yeah. everything is sort of doing the same thing. And the way that an atom, the electrons in an atom are rotating is the same or similar to the way that a solar system is navigating itself. Wow. And he's like, but it's not just that kind of cute one. It's also just how energy moves in the world. Yeah. So a relationship, I don't consider the work, I don't, I don't consider the effort I put in with you to be work. Yeah. But I get more value because we do this podcast yeah. in part. Yeah. I'm putting value and time and effort into it, not because I'm supposed to or some Western faulty or let's say not even faulty, just not my own mythology. It's a cosmic philosophy. Yeah. That's what's gorgeous. Yeah. I always, even though there was like work hard, work hard, work hard, look to rich children, mm. which I'll include myself in that, even though it wasn't. It wasn't like mommy ringing bells and stuff. I, I thought it was a sucker's game. I got a job because it was kind of fun and a way to hang out with people. But I kind of somewhere along the line got the message that if you were working, it was kind of like a bum deal. Mm. And I think that's that's what was so beautiful about stand up. It was like I broke away from that, but then ended up working way harder yeah. <laughs> than I ever would have right. had I just gone on a, a more traditional path. But the principles remain the same. There's no escaping it. Yeah. That's why people who win the lottery are, you know, statistically can often run into huge levels of depression mm. because I think what it is is they're not giving something time and effort which then magically like sisu making the dragonstone where, mm. the, where the energy pour, that's from raya if you don't have children and you haven't seen it but the energy comes out of you into a thing yeah that's what's missing yeah and that's why winning the lottery can totally fuck you because it's like it's like a cheat code in a video game and suddenly you just have all the points and it doesn't mean you're anything. like what does this matter but it's not so i'm even saying this to myself it's not the job that I'm doing right now that's paying me very, very little and is requiring, and this is what my brain does, it goes, this is requiring as much time and effort as something that would pay a lot. So why mm. are you doing it? It's because the relationships, and that's the voice of Val in my psyche, and the fun and the friendship of it mm-hmm. gives it value. Mm-hmm. But I really have to remind myself, and that's what I talk about when I can feel the scroogeification of myself, yeah. where it just becomes about the bottom line. I don't spend most of my time this way, but somewhere subconsciously I go, it works if it works. Yeah. It works if it works. Yeah. But you know, hiring someone to do your gardening works, but like gardening yourself and growing a zucchini, 
is what gardening is. Gardening doesn't mean you have a garden and someone grows your garden. Mm -hmm. Like, gardening means doing it. Yeah. I think that's exactly the point I was trying... Well, I was trying to make two points. That was one of them, was that... I didn't explain it well, but, like, the, the doing the work is the thing. Like, so... Like hard work, there's value in hard work, not because it's like of what you produce and that you or that you can tell people about it later. Yeah, you can hold it over people later. I work hard. It's more like mindfulness. It's like there's value in sweeping the garden. The like, you know, this is why chores of it's very zen. There's like there is something in our biology. And maybe like you said, with the way the energy moves, that really does respond and can get a lot of value out of that. And the other point was that, you know, the, why am I having a hard time starting this? The point that you were making about like where if she doesn't work for something and then get it really, we think we're making things easier on her, but really we're depriving her of the joy of having earned that thing. Uh, Specifically doing something that you weren't sure you could do. Yeah. It's hard work. Yes. So exactly. you die and resurrect in that process. Exactly. You're doing something that you think you can't do and then you do it. Yeah. So the you that thought you couldn't do it is dead. Yeah. And the you that can do it is resurrected. This is the model of the universe. Yep. That suffering, that pain, and transformation. But we want transformation without. We want resurrection without death. That's what we want. It's always the problem. And when you do that, that goes back to the feeling of you realize that the world is not as scary as you think. If you aren't given the opportunity to do things that you don't think you can do, then you will believe the rest of your life that you can't do those things. And that's a scary world. If there's a lot of things that you can't do, that's terrifying. I just had this, it was sort of like one of those dark... Or maybe just more morbid. I don't think it's dark. But I was sitting on the couch and I was like, it's really comforting to know that if I died, Val would be okay. Or if you left me, you would be okay. Mm. Meaning, I was just kind of having a moment of checking in and going like, it's not even about life insurance. Uh, That would be a cheap cop out of the experiment. I just mean like, Val has friends, she has community, she has skills, she has people who love her, and she has a lot of people asking for that poetry book. But like, meaning you have purpose, you yeah. have creativity, yeah. you have drive, you, and, and, and you're lovely. You. And I, I, it's like the opposite, obviously, and I did this, it was all in one second, all of these thoughts just sort of happened. I was like, we're sort of told to not say... Um, I could live without you. Yeah. But there's there's something really freeing in being like, and there's something, you know where that came from? Getting divorced. Wow. My wife left me and I was like, that's a death and a resurrection. Mm-hmm. The Pete who thought he couldn't live with, outside of that marriage died and a new Pete was resurrected. And from that comes the spacious way that I hold you. I'm holding you really tight, mm-hmm. but there's a really big space around it. It's a paradox. Yeah. Because I know you'll you'd be okay. And then talk about a paradox. I feel like that makes it way less likely for you to want to leave me. Yeah. Not that that's why I do it, but people love space. Yeah. They want to feel secure and free. Yeah. We want our cake and we, to eat it too. 
And because we're just dealing in the world of concepts, I can give that to you. Yes. But then holding that paradox in me creates a certain pattern of behavior that is concrete. It's it's no longer in the realm of paradox. It's actually happening mm-hmm. because I, I hope I'm loving you in a way that is holding you and keeping you secure, but also going like, you're okay. Like, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. I'll never forget when I, I got out of a relationship and she had really convinced me that I was not okay without her. Mm-hmm. And when we broke up, I remember being like, what if there's an earthquake? Where's the grocery store? Wait, she was doing everything. Yeah. And I was filled with panic. Yeah. I was like, let's at least, even if we end up breaking up with people, give them the gift to be like, not just at the breakup, but the whole time. Talk about gardening, watering their autonomy and supporting them and reminding them of who they are. Yes. You're the mystery of the universe embodied in Val. You're everything. Yeah. It's a very good worldview. Yes. <laughs> it's so cute. I, um, that was, you're reminding me that that was like, uh, oh. Sorry, baby. I didn't know you were um, right in, about to say something. No, never apologize for playing California Love. Um, I, that was something that was really big for us in the beginning when we were dating. I remember I wrote that poem. Maybe I'll read that poem at the end. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that poem. About, like, we would we would say to each other, like, I, I could exist without you, but I love you. Like, things like that, because I was, also had experienced a relationship where I really didn't think I could do anything outside of that person. And, um, and so it, it was freeing and loving to be like... Hey, look at you. That's why long distance worked for us for so long. It's like, hey, you're doing your thing over there and I'm just over here loving you. And like giving each other that freedom and space felt so good. And I kind yeah. of had forgotten of that about that element of our love just because we're, we've been quarantined together. Well, you can we see have it. A child and- the, the thing I love about the Pete Holmes show monologues, my brother pointed this out to me, is that it's a single guy. I know we were seeing each other, but it was like... It was a a guy alone. Yeah. Talking about what it's like to be alone. Yeah. And if you watch those shows, it's really, it's when I was seeing DGP a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was really working out a lot of these psychological issues or whatever you want to call them that's less judgmental than issues. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, so existential kink is all about loving who you really are. Mm -hmm. So if you have something weird about yourself or shameful privately just going inside Mm -hmm. and by loving it and allowing it, you're sort of releasing it, dissolving it, and then reintegrating it into yourself as something new. Yep. So I was noticing that as a child who grew up as a golden boy, who was told and retold and retold, which I was, that you are a good boy, you are a sweet boy, you are a kind boy. My mom used to call me the peacemaker. Mm -hmm. and, And I just, that was my identity. Yep. Then I get divorced, and that sort of perfectly killed the golden boy. Yeah. And then I had this opportunity, and there was this Pete Holmes monologue we did about Valentine's Day. And I was like, don't call your girlfriend Baby Angel, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what I used to call my ex-wife, by the way. Mm. Don't call her precious or perfect. I mean, you you can if you want, by the way. (laughs) But we had a Valentine. You could actually print it out online that said, like, you are a flawed, complicated um, you know, complex yeah. human being, yeah. and I love you just the way you are. Yeah. Because when you tell someone they're golden, it's it's a wonder I'm not more um, kinky. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a very kinky guy. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of strange. 
<laughs> but I'm not. Yeah. Because if all you're told is you're golden, you're golden, you're golden, like, but I shit. I shit and I piss and I <laughs> yeah. jerk. No wonder I'm, especially, you know, the past 10 years, constantly talking about sex, trying to find a room. Like, how could I be perfect if I want to, you know, have sex and, and yeah. smack asses or whatever it was. <laughs> like, it smack wasn't... Acids. It's like comedians picking personas. Like, pick a good one that, that will allow you to grow and change. Yeah. And also the roles you impose on your loved ones and your kids, you're going to do it. At least pick the most spacious yeah. identity you can so that they can, in that globe that you have to construct to have some container that you call Valerie, mm-hmm. at least when you build that psychological construct... Put what you know about her in one room, but then have every other room in the mansion be empty so she can do whatever she wants. And that's what I want to do with Leela. That's what I want people to do for me. I know you see this enthusiastic or talkative guy, especially when we do this podcast on very little food and some coffee, a lot of energy. But like, I need other rooms that I can go in and be like, you know, sometimes I... I can't stand my dog or whatever the dark thing is. I need that. Golden boys don't not like their dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And you do really love me that way. There's so, I feel like there's so much space for me to be like any kind of version of myself. And I remember when I was going through the big depressive episode, the Great Depression, I had a fear like neither one of us has seen this part of me yet. Like, and we had just gotten married. I was so afraid. I was so afraid. Oh, it makes me sad to think of poor, poor mm. body, poor Valerie, that you were going to be like, this isn't what I signed up for. I, I like, and you had to take, you really, for like, it was two weeks maybe, but like really had to totally take care of me because I couldn't take care of myself. Mm. And, and I was like, this is this is going to change forever the way that Pete sees me and I'm never going to be able to like recover his view. Like I was really afraid you would never look at me the same Mm. and he just like totally flowed with it. And, and well, that's where it was helpful to have that dad energy, meaning my dad specifically like, it'll work out. (laughs) Yeah. What can you do? It'll work out. Just give it some time. But also flowed with like, I, if you did struggle with it, you never showed me even the afterwards of being like, Oh my God, is that going to come back? Is Val going to always be like this? Is that going to be like, you didn't let it affect how you saw me because you create so much space around what you said, like you said, and okay, what you know, and we're back me. to the work thing. So I didn't want to get divorced. Mm. Nobody wants to die, mm-hmm. but that death and resurrection killed the golden boy and then gave me the opportunity to build a new room of identity for myself. And I now had the idea that I should keep some of my own rooms in my own inner mansion empty yeah. because I was starting to come to terms with the fact that I don't know myself and mm. it's constantly growing and changing. Yeah. That afforded me the ability to give you that. So yeah. it's like Leela working for the camera in this fake scenario yeah. is, is the necessary death to give the, the skill set of appreciation in the camera yeah. case or the ability to love somebody. Yeah. So something I never would have asked for actually made me capable of loving. Yeah. And before, I was just calling her baby angel. I My ex is not interested in me. But 
meaning I can't send her a message, but it's like I I feel bad. Or, or let me just say, I acknowledge yeah. that I was a child yeah. and I didn't know how to love except how to adore. Mm. I was really just doing my best to just be like a conflict-free, mm. like, you know, just cupcakes. All I do is cupcakes. Yeah. And when she left me, I was like, why would you leave someone that all you do is give, I just give you cupcakes? And it's like, because you don't even know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't even, you don't even understand. And she, she was a more mature person than me. Yep. And was craving uh, an adult. Yeah. And she didn't want to do it, but I wonder if part of her knew, like, subconsciously even, or cosmically, would be like, I think this is what he needs. This guy needs a heartbreak. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like we're tending sheep and, like, this really weak, sweet sheep got lost in the storm and the shepherd gets back and it's too stormy to go out and he's like, fuck, little sweet Pete, the sheep, got stuck out in the storm. But then quietly the the shepherd's like, it's not going to kill the sheep. It's probably pretty good for the sheep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. In that situation, I was a sheep. That kind of goes into this question by by Philip Cheesecake CP. Oh, no. Cheeses. Cheesesteak. Okay. (laughs) Philip Cheesesteak CPA. Is it a serious question? Can I play no diggity under it? Uh, Sure. It's not too serious. Um, I've been wanting to hear both you and Val's opinion on this. What was both of your experiences balancing the line between satisfying expectations from those who love you and doing what you want to do? Context: I'm 24 years old. Been listening to you. Made it weird since I was 17. Oh yeah. <laughs> and currently trying to become a comedy writer. It's hard AF and sometimes really discouraging. But sounds like also, Philip, you're getting um, there. The challenge of it too is that you might be letting people down by doing what you want to do. Well, it sounds. Am I right? Let me know what you think of this. It sounds like maybe his family isn't like super supportive. Yeah, it says satisfying expectations from those who love you and doing what you want to do. Well, you know what's really helpful for me, what comes to mind is Byron Katie, as usual, tells the story of, you know, she's walking through somebody that like hated their parents because it was much heavier than the situation because he perceived that they uh, didn't approve that he was uh, gay. Mm-hmm. Not a gay. I was saying, uh, <laughs> that he's gay. He's a gay. And when they went back and unpacked it, this is really advanced. So you're just going to have to trust that this person was walked through and came to this conclusion on their own, which was this mom does think being gay is a disease. Like that's yeah. her belief. Yeah. And she's checking in on you and sending you an article on how to cure yourself, mm-hmm. which of course is, I'm not even saying that's not deeply inappropriate. Of course, that's deeply inappropriate, hugely hurtful. Let's mourn. If someone said that to me, I would not be like, hey, Byron Katie says, this is yeah. somebody who 20 years after the fact was ready to start unpacking it yeah. for their own self, yeah. not to reconcile even with them, but to have inner peace. Yeah. And she walked him to the conclusion that, oh my God, if she thinks it's a disease and she loves me and wants to protect me, mm-hmm. she would send me ways to get rid of this disease. Right. It's fucked up that she thinks it's a disease. I want everyone to make sure they follow me on this. But in her world yeah. that was reinforced by her upbringing, her environment, everything around her reinforced this idea. And she was worried 
And it was actually sort of loving in the same way that anxiety we were talking about. Anxiety loves you. Anxiety wants to keep you around. It's yeah. fucking wholly unpleasant, but it's actually a self-preservational and therefore my kind of loving instinct. Mm-hmm. Depression is debilitating. It's like too much. Anxiety is really like, let's, let's do something. Even if it's freeze, we got to do the right thing to stay alive. Yeah. Similarly, it's fucked up and unpleasant. But he could see that he was adding the story that wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. what that makes me think of is if somebody is saying, um, and it sounds like you already acknowledged that they're loving, Mm -hmm. we don't don't know about this comedy writing thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful to go like, this is how they're loving me and trying to put yourself in their shoes and be like, this person wiped my butt and put diapers on me and Mm -hmm. fed me and put me to sleep and and was there when I lost my first tooth. And now all of a sudden I'm going into this pretty ragtag cowboy Wild West dream pursuit. Mm -hmm. And if they're being unsupportive, it's helpful to remember they're probably just loving me in the way that they think is right. Right. Even if it's totally fucking wrong and maybe you need to tell them that. But like it can be helpful to diffuse some of the energy of that non-supportiveness by applying some perspective. And if that's interesting to you, that's the work. Byron Katie's The Work. It's in Loving What Is is the book. Also, it could. I, it's interesting because I read that as projecting my own reaction onto it, which is that it's it's kind of unbearable to do something that you know will disappoint the people that you love. Or that love you. Right. So that meeting the expectations isn't that there is maybe too much compassion or not too much compassion, but the problem isn't having compassion for the people who you're not meeting their expectations. It's how to it, charge through. Even yeah, though yeah. Yeah. And that's just that's that's self-compassion. <laughs> I would also say you're not going to get it. Anyway, anyway like you, even if you do exactly what they want, they're incapable of giving you the fullness of joy that you want to experience. Only you can give you that. That's right. And you can't control how anybody feels about you no matter what you do. You could do exactly what they want to do and then they'd be like, you know, I really wanted you to do that comedy thing. Or, because like people are different. You can't rely on the feelings or the expectations of somebody else because it's ethereal. It's like a cloud in the sky. It's unknowable. It might just be a role they're playing. It's like, I think I'm supposed to tell them this or that or whatever. And they might not know. They don't know how they would feel if you did become a comedy writer. They might surprise themselves. And also, you could do exactly what they want you to do, and they give you the love, but it doesn't feel good because you know it was conditional. Right, that's right. (laughs) What you're really wanting is unconditional love, and that is something that you can just give yourself. You can start by giving that to yourself. I can say from experience that there are situations and places that, like, didn't accept me, and then when I got TV shows and stuff, did, and it it felt nasty. Yeah. It didn't feel good. Yep. So, like, we can remind ourselves that, like, you're the captain of the ship yep. and you have to pursue your dream. I think the best thing we said is even if you dropped everything and just did what they wanted, it wouldn't necessarily please these people. So the only expectations you should really be concerned with are your own while figuring out the least amount of energy you can give uh, calming other people down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I will also say that I, as somebody who it was and is often still unbearable to like let my parents down, for example, when I left my husband, I broke my mother specifically, I broke her heart. (laughs) And, um, and my parents, like I did let my parents down by doing that. And they really stepped up and they showed up and they, you know, it there was really difficult for a, a period of time. And then we got through it and our whole relationship changed because they showed me that they can love me through that and that they will always choose loving me over everything. That's right. I and love it's, that. It's such a gift. So, so even if you letting, fall on your face, yeah. you do this and you do become the prodigal son. You are destitute. You are working with the pigs. Yeah. And then you come back. What a gift yeah. to them yeah. to be the prodigal father. Actually, it's not the prodigal father. Richie Rohr, uh, take your shots, everybody. I said Richie Rohr <laughs> said that, that the story of the prodigal son should be called the story of the forgiving father or the loving father. Yep. He's the headliner, mm-hmm. right? It, the son does what the son does, but like you're affording them this opportunity. It's like Val taking me to the beach, man. <laughs> you're giving them something new. Here's something you never expected. I'm trying to be a comedy writer. You're welcome. <laughs> like, is it uncomfortable? Is it strange? Are you worried? You're welcome. Bitch, I just brought you life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just say, bitch, I just brought you <laughs> you should be fine. Okay. All, yeah. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Also, good luck. Uh, yeah. Any any combination of that, that's sort of like a very lofty, comfortable, privileged uh, perspective to give. Yeah. The real down on the earth answer is like, you're not alone. We all have to deal with that. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep following your bliss. Listen for feedback from your dream. Yeah. Meaning little little signs that you're doing the right thing, that you're getting better. And frankly, that you're doing even better than some of the other people you know, because that's that's helpful. It gives you it gives you a baseline to go like, I'm doing better. <laughs> I hate to say that. Yeah. But at open mics, me and Kumail used to say that we would you would know how you were doing because you were getting bigger laughs than the other people. I know that sounds gauche or impolite but you need that feedback so be honest with yourself and get that feedback and 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 anthropomorphize the passion let let comedy be this relationship Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. give it a give it a body and a shape and a face and like get to know it and walk with it and know that you're not alone it's you and your comedy are going on a journey whether or not capitalistically that's going to be rewarded but you're doing it Mm -hmm. and and even if it fails it's about putting yourself into this now Mm -hmm. and when it succeeds i can't stress this enough your parents acceptance isn't going to look or feel like you hope Mm -hmm. it's all about what you give yourself yeah what you want you got to get get it and give it to yourself so if you're pursuing it and they're not supporting it that sounds pretty good and pure right there yeah like you're doing it for you and keep keep on that instinct because even if you make a hundred, you write a script to sell for a hundred million dollars, either they'll be like, "Whoa, that's amazing," and you'll go like, "That's bullshit. You didn't believe." Or they'll, or you know, or they don't care. Mm-hmm. It, you got to be the the wellspring, yeah, of of your own bliss, yeah. And, and, and sounds like you're doing that, and yeah, and you said that it's really hard, and so like good. 
good for you. You're doing something really hard. That's yeah. That's not easy. <laughs> yeah, you too can be on a podcast someday and talk about taking the bus to Flatbush one Sunday afternoon and how proud you are. Yeah. But that 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 matters for self-worth. Yep. <laughs> Remember that it started this way? Me neither. Wow, they, they edited that out on the radio. There it is. Yeah, Chan. Does he like butter tarts? Buttered toast? I do not remember that. That is so 90s. We'll just open with like a little skit. Oh my god. I I did not remember that. Um, Okay. Should I do this poem and we'll see? Oh yeah, I was going to say let's get out of here, but I didn't want to... Just because my mania is wearing off doesn't mean you're done. Well... I didn't ever get started, so... <laughs> oh, my God. What what it must be like to be balanced. <laughs> I like I like how I am. I, I like how you are, It's so too. weird that, that this switch is flipped when we do this, because, like, during the parenting class, I was very quiet and composed. Yeah, you are. And, like, when I spoke, I would just be like, blah, 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 blah. Then yeah. when, you, when I know we're doing the podcast, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. I love talking to you guys. I love our little sets on... By the way, what happened to the Discord group? So, uh, it's uh, whoever runs it. What's her name? Oh, 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 oh! No, I've, doesn't I, it start with a D? I can't believe I forgot. Shoot. Anyway, Instagram me again because I think you changed the name of it, and I need a fresh invite. Oh. But there's a you made it weird. Did you try to go Discord. back on? I just don't get the updates anymore. I used to get weekly updates oh. that would show what everybody was saying, kind of like, and I would oh, read that's those. Fun. So I wouldn't necessarily yeah. check in. But I pointed out on the Jason Schwartzman episode that she, I, I thought maybe she did on purpose because it's extra weird, but she spelled W-I-E-R-D or, or oh, somebody yeah. spelled it W-I-E-R-D, which I thought was a joke. Maybe she changed that. And then I think she did change it, but now I don't know how to get there because I'm 72 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that Robert is the name of the guy who sent me the uh, invite. Well, so. do, uh, well, do Graham it to Val and she'll share it with me. And sorry that we're bad at names. It's not personal. We don't remember anybody's name. We didn't remember Steal My Sunshine opened with that hilarious <laughs> sketch about yeah. buttered toast. Um, okay. So this. So when Pete and I were long distance, I would, I would send him like silly poems. They're very hallmarky and and like... I hate this. The, I haven't read this in years. What you're so saying is I, they're a little bit more across the plate. They're a little bit more across the plate. There's the the meter and the the uh, yeah meter. <laughs> I hardly know. <laughs> Just it's not as technically perfect. It was more about being cute. So you're getting a real behind the state behind the scenes look at um, you know the the first few years of our relationship. So I sent Pete this poem. Peter. Peter. It's called I Could Exist Without You. I could exist without you. I'd still sleep and breathe and eat. I could exist without you. On my own, I am complete. Aww. I could exist without you. I'm scrappy. I'd find a way. Funny. I could exist without you because I'm strong like Beyonce. 
I could exist without you. It's fun to pretend it's not true. I could exist with cute. (laughs) I could exist without you, but of course I would be blue. I could exist without you. I wouldn't shrivel up or die. I could exist without you, but the question is why? (laughs) I could exist Mm. without you, and if it came to that, I would. But existing with you just feels so good. (laughs) It's so cheesy. This has been You Made It Weird. I'm sorry, We Made It Weird. Hey! Featuring Petey Pants and Sweet Lady Val with questions from the audience. And old poems from the past. Valerie. I just wanted to do one. Thanks for listening and don't forget, keep it crispy. You're unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know where to stop it. All right, keep it crispy. <laughs> so crispy. My eyes can't.